about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Brand new episode of the Wrestling Basement Podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Thank you to the guys at Red Bull for supporting the podcast. I am joined by senior producer of SB Nation, Hector Diaz on Twitter. I am Hector Diaz. My man, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Randy, man. Thanks uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Listen, man, me and you've been going back and forth on Twitter for quite some time. I know you're a yeah. big fan of wrestling. and. I love the tweets. I love the interaction you do with your fans and your followers. So I'm like, man, I got to get Hector on at some point in time. And then we go back and forth about, you know, what's your, you know, your, your interests, your favorite superstars, your favorite storyline. And I'm like, I got to get that right topic. And you tell me, boom, you know, the shield. And I'm like, boom, that's it. So today we're talking about the beginning of the shield, the breakup, all that good stuff. Um, and we'll, we'll see how we rank them all time as far as your favorite groups. But um, my first question that I ask everybody on the show, because the show is really about getting a fan's perspective on their fandom. People who are currently covering the sport, I, I want to get their insights on their fandom. Um, do you recall the first time you saw wrestling, what made you beca- uh, become a fan of wrestling? Was it a show, a pay-per-view, a certain match, a certain superstar? Like what made Hector Diaz a big t- a big time fan of pro wrestling? Well, for me, it was always around me. Like even growing up, I remember my grandpa just watching like old Lucha Libre and like he would throw names at me and I was, you know, I was just in the living room hanging out, like playing right. with my toys or whatever. <laughs> but like that was sort of like ingrained in me and he would always bring up names like uh, Mil Mascaras and Mascarita Sagrada and I was just like, cool, you know, I was like, I was like five. <laughs> um, but it really didn't like become like a thing like where I was like, uh, super entertained by it until I was like around 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I really have to credit like my old neighbor who was like a few years older than me. So I would always hang out with him thinking he'd be like the really cool guy. So if I hung out with someone that was like older, he'd like tell me about all these like cool things that like the older kids are into. And he would always tell me about wrestling. And he, even before I started watching it, he would fill me in on all these things. And like, you know, I didn't really know what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, yeah, there's this guy like Steve Austin and he does all these things. And like the rock is there and triple H, everybody hates triple H. And so this was like around <laughs> 2000, the attitude era. And I was like, Oh cool. And it was only a few months after that I started watching it on like SmackDown and stuff like that. And I was like, Whoa, this is like really compelling things. And like, you know, being like 10, 11 years old, you're, you're at that age where you kind of want to get rebellious and like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're trying to be a teenager and stuff like that. So like that sort of those, those topics or like the attitude era was like the perfect thing to sort of fuel that little fire right. of just like, 
yeah, I'm, if I'm going to be rebellious, I'm going to be rebellious, like, you know, Triple H breaking rules or whatever. So, like, exactly. it was that little mindset that, like, propelled the fandom. Mm -hmm. And then I just got really, like, into the stories and all of that. Um, I specifically remember, I don't remember the first time I watched, uh, like, a, like, a show, like a SmackDown or whatever. But mm -hmm. I do remember uh, watching it leading up to WrestleMania 2000. And uh, the, the the big hype was like the the McMahon in every corner thing, mm. and looking back, it was like kind of lackluster. Whatever, you know, it wasn't one of the one of the greatest WrestleManias. But like back then, the way they hyped it up and like WWE's like fantastic video packages. For me as a kid, I was like, oh man, like this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I do remember specifically the the first pay per view I bought was uh, the one right after was was Backlash. And I was like, okay, like, this is when it actually started. Like, mm. it became, like, appointment viewing. Like, I'm going to just keep watching this. And, you know, that's how it, it sort of bloomed. Yeah, I recall the backlash uh, to a degree. I don't know the matches offhand. I do know the main event. It was The Rock and, and Triple H uh, for the world title. And Stone Cold came back to help The Rock. And he started hitting everybody with, with the steel chairs. And, yeah. Um, I mean that, and 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 you told me in the in the DM that that pop was crazy for Stone Cold. Like, if you try to rank the best pops for Stone Cold ever, like the Backlash 2000 has to be like in the top three, top five because that crowd went completely insane. I think I think he was hurt at the time, so you, they weren't yeah. seeing him on TV. Yeah, so like for me, like I hadn't really like been exposed to Stone Cold like that mm -hmm. until that pop. So like when I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, like. All of these like wrestlers are great, but this guy sort of blows everybody out of the water, and he's like, you know, super anti-authoritarian. Like he does whatever he wants, right? And like for me, it was like, okay, this is perfect. And I think that might have been the moment I sort of fell in love with wrestling. Mm -hmm. I, uh, for me, like I tell everybody, because when when you give you know you give me your answer, I give them my answer. So for me, my first pay per view I remember watching was SummerSlam '89. So that's Hogan, that's Macho Man. I think that's right. uh, Beefcake Zeus in the main event, like a tag team match, uh, you know, coming off the Mega Power storyline. But the match to me and the pay-per-view to me that made me say, yo, I got to watch this from now on whenever I can was WrestleMania 6. And I think people in my age range would say that that's the most common answer. Um, WrestleMania six, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, the main event for the title, for you know, title for title. Uh, everybody was a Hogan fan, everybody was a Warrior fan, then you had to pick your side and they're both good guys in the main event. Uh, something that I, I didn't know was possible because I thought you could have a bad guy and, and, and a good guy in the main event, not two good guys going at it. So from that point on, man, Hector, it would just buying action figures, buying the shirts and the make of the, the, the face paint, uh, the, 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 the buddies you, you play with and all that. It would just nonstop, nonstop until you get older and you kind of phase out for a little bit. Um, I mean, I had that phase out and I think in that time frame you're talking about 2000, maybe two, three, I kind of, I kind of faded out for it for a little while, got back in in like 06 when I think Cena was champion and Edge was trying to get the belt. So have you had that time yet where you kind of just kind of like faded out for for a little bit or are you still like every every week on the grind watching it? Uh, no, I definitely had that like burnout. I mean, like, you know, like with everything, I mean, I think because I, it became a thing for me to become like a teenager with, mm -hmm. like once I sort of, grew up and became like a young adult, I was like, oh, well, you know, wrestling isn't that cool or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. thinking that I would never watch it again. But like, um, I think around like 2009 was when I sort of like stopped watching it. I would sort of watch it casually and be like, oh, look, look, look at what John Cena's doing. Like, this is pretty cool. Um, but uh, kind of like on the side there, like once I was like, becoming an adult I started going to like a bunch of like punk shows and I would like watch all these bands and stuff and uh, a lot of those became like bands that would like later be like uh bigger would have commercial success and I'd be kind of that jerk that'd be like oh well I saw them in this basement when I when so-and-so <laughs> happened right but like 
then that sort of transitioned into wrestling because mm-hmm. a friend introduced me to like indie wrestling and like pro wrestling gorilla in Reseda. And I, I started going to those and like that same sort of like um, mindset uh, or you're just kind of a jerk, like sort of transitioned into wrestling. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh, I watched this guy wrestle, you know, back in like in the veterans hall, like in 2011 or whatever. And like that's sort of where my love of wrestling started uh, happening again. Right. So as of right now, do you, do you have one or two all time favorites? Or are you still trying to figure that out? as we speak i mean it really depends um i i, I mean before as a kid like I, i'm sure ever like everyone like they hated triple h and why now it's, tell me tell me why okay listen everybody tells me i can't i couldn't stand triple h we would need we need yeah. all-time great hall of famer but everybody just couldn't stand but that also tells you how great of a, of a bad guy he was if, if everybody's saying they hate him he, he, he's doing something right yeah that's my point though like as a kid hated him now as an adult i'm like <laughs> everything he was doing was like for the storyline uh-huh. it was perfect and like you know him sort of uh one-upping uh you know the baby face like every time was frustrating but like it had its purpose you know it served its purpose because you needed triple h to lose in order to get that payoff mm-hmm. um and like i mean you know wwe might have gone to the well a lot to with that but like true it was fantastic um but yeah i mean he's definitely like one of my favorites because he incites such a negative reaction or did back then as a kid um now uh you know current day uh, i really like uh kenny omega um Mm -hmm. and and that's more of just like he's a fantastic wrestler but like the storylines he creates um right with his wrestling you know he doesn't even have to say much but the way he implements his moves and the way he's basically talking uh, about this storyline uh, with with his body and his opponent, like that, just sort of blows my mind. It's it's you know it's it's interpretive dance almost mm-hmm. in, the, in this weird like academic way. Um, but like same goes for like you know um, wrestlers in like New Japan. Like I really love Tetsuya Naito, um, and um, he's really given me like a newfound appreciation for different styles of professional wrestling mm-hmm. um, where like it, if I'm watching a, a New Japan Pro Wrestling match I'm watching it with a cup of coffee and I'm trying to like uh, sort of analyze like every little detail and like those dudes hit hard you know like yeah. that's fun too um, but like those are different styles as opposed to like a WWE style where you're, uh, you're 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 playing for TV and you're playing a little safe because you know back then before the pandemic you used to you know focus on live dates and like the longevity of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like Triple H, Kenny Omega, Tetsuya Naito, um, right now Hangman, Adam Page uh, are like one of my favorites. Um, going back to being like the pretentious guy who saw like. Uh, wrestlers before they made it big, um, right. Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, I saw those dudes at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla like before they got signed to WWE, and I thought they were great. And like it made me very happy to see them on like my TV like a couple years after. Mm. So like that was pretty cool to see. And I'm always rooting for guys like those. I, I recall you telling me offline that you watch New Japan with uh, drinking coffee. You watch AEW drinking beer, right? Yeah. And so you watch WWE drinking what? <laughs> Gotta be I don't think right? I have one for WWE, but like, you know, it's it's it's, it's sort of like uh, lends itself to like the styles of wrestling that like mm. I was talking about. Like, you can be analytical with with a New Japan match because, like, you know, those matches are like 20, 30 minutes um, for uh, for an episode of Raw. Like, there's commercial break so you don't really have to pay attention the entire time plus it's like a three two hour show sometimes mm-hmm. um for AEW, it's a little shorter but like uh it's more entertaining and there's a bit more of a, a built to storyline so you can sort of like um sort of lean back and just enjoy it right. but yeah it's sort of like the styles um like the varying styles of just like pro wrestling mm. and um as an adult, like as an adult, I really appreciate it. Um, as a kid, I didn't really understand it, um, mostly because I was just exposed to like WWE and uh, the Attitude Era. I wasn't so much of a WCW guy, um, but yeah, it was just like 
it, it, the, the WWE Attitude Era was just like, I'm going to be exposed to this like super cool rebellious stuff. But now yeah. I'm, it's a bit more nuanced. Um, but still, it's all good fun. So before we get into the Shield, uh, I want to ask you, I, I, I would assume, like I watched today, but probably not as consistent as I would be years ago or what, you know, with the whole pandemic happening. It's, it's tough for me still to watch the product without the fans so that that's a real thing for me like there's no I, I i'll try but i can't do all the time you probably you probably watch it every single monday wednesday and friday um and your fandom started in the mid 2000s area but or, or early 2000s can you kind of tell me what do you miss from back then that's not happening now or what do you say what do you like f- from now that wasn't happening back then um, that's a good question. Um, I, I do love, and this is just like a visual thing mm-hmm. of like the signs back in the attitude era. Um, and like, you know, before and after that, um, you know, with the rise of phones and stuff and like, you know, who wants to be carrying out a sign, but like there was like a, a big hype when you like tuned in on a Monday night raw in 2000 and like the very, um, in the intro, they would pan out to the crowd and you would just see people just like, look at my sign or whatever. Like right. that was great. Like that excitement. It's not even about like the sign or bring them. It's like that excitement of just like, I want to be on TV. And now, you know, with, with uh, social media and all that like you don't really have that because you can just sort of take a selfie and like people see it um and that's fine too um but um something i do like about now would probably just be like the different styles of pro wrestling and i feel like i'm talking about that a lot but mm-hmm. like I, I love the competition um there's something for everybody uh even if you're not a hardcore fan you can definitely show like your friend like this one match um, you know, just tell them like, hey, look at this comedy match from like Beyond Wrestling or something. Or right. Check out this like DVD from PWG or something or like just a YouTube clip of some random thing you've never seen before. Um, so I really love that. Um, and, and just like the varying like characters, like, you know, like an Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy doesn't do anything, puts his hands in his pockets and he's like over as hell. Um, so like, I, I just love that. Like that can exist now in pro wrestling. Right. Do you have, let's say the last five years, your pick, five to 10 years, whatever. Yeah. Your your favorite storyline in the last five or 10 years for you. Favorite storyline. Favorite storyline. I mean, the Shield thing is sort of around there. Okay. Um, we're getting Right now. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yes, but right. um, I, I think... Um, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and NXT and their rivalry um, starting off with like DIY and making all those like fantastic like tag team matches and then breaking up and then trying to compete for the NXT championship like that was like really compelling to me Um, the pacing of it was really great Um, just because there was a couple of injuries in there but like I just enjoyed everything about that and it wasn't like um, overthought or so, or anything like that. It was just like these guys were a tag team. Now they're not for one reason or another, and now these two are competing like at the top of their game to see who's who's the best. And at the same time, they still got that bad blood. And like sometimes the simplicity works. Yes, sir. Uh, for me, before we start, favorite storyline five ten years. Uh, I would say I think. The Shield is one of them. I think Seth turning on The Shield is, is definitely one of them. Uh, the whole Daniel Bryan Yes movement. That's absolutely that's six years ago. So that that fits the timeline. Um, CM Punk John Cena. That's nine years ago. So that fits in the timeline with the whole uh, winning the belt and leaving the company type thing. Um, I love that. Most people don't like the authority. And I, I, I understand why, because it just seeing Hunter and Stephanie always on TV, every every fucking, you know, brawl with a, with a promo and they're taking over. And I thought it was cool because that, that falls in line with the Daniel Bryan storyline. But most people did not like the authority as a stable. Um, right. What else we got here? That's... I mean, I thought it was fine. I, it goes back to what I said earlier about Triple yeah. H kind of like doing it over and over again. It was like an extension of that, like, uh, you know, 
couple of years after, but like it, it was fine. It like served its purpose. Corporate Kane coming out every time was a little annoying, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, the Becky Lynch storyline. Becky Lynch one is another yeah, fantastic one. That was dope. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think off the top of the head. That that doesn't mean there's not many good storylines. I just can't really recall right now. I, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a plethora. Even even NXT, they got a whole plethora of storylines. They do. Uh, we ha- we haven't even mentioned uh, Kofi Kingston in the two WrestleManias ago. That's right. That was one of the best moments. That's right. Uh, and I think I mean for WWE, like the storylines are good, but like the payoffs and like that one moment is like uh, even better. You know, Daniel Bryan holding both championships at that yep. WrestleMania, Kofi Kingston being hoisted by the New Day as he wins his championship against Daniel Bryan, like uh, Becky Lynch winning, uh, winning that triple threat uh, WrestleMania main event, like those photos, mm-hmm. like this, it, they're moments and they're just singular photos that like were built up after a couple of months, and I think those are just really great. Have you been to a, a WrestleMania or no? Yeah, um, I've one? been to two. Hmm. Uh, my the first one was uh, WrestleMania 31 um, at Sick. Levi Stadium, okay. and Tough it was one. fantastic. Great one, I loved it. Um, yeah, I think it's personally one of the best ones. Um, I had a lot of fun there. I didn't think it would be as enormous of an event, um, but it was like it was it was gigantic. Like both the stadium. Uh, the feel and like the events around it. Um, I, I remember just, you know, having a few beers with my friends there and, you know, uh, we, were, we, were, we were drinking a few in that main event and it was a little lackluster with Reigns and Lesnar and all of a sudden like the Seth Rollins thing happened and he cashed in his money in the bank and the entire stadium erupted. No one saw it coming um, and it was just a wonderful feeling. I remember... Um, there was, I actually got tickets right at, uh, next to the hard cam. So there was no one sitting next to me. It was just like the camera. Um, so I was just like, I stood around and I just like started rooting for everybody. And there was like a dad and his kid, uh, right behind me. And we were all just like, Oh my God, did you see this? Like, you know, Seth Rollins did this. And we just started high-fiving. Like it was, it was a fantastic like event. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other one was, uh, the most recent WrestleMania in New Orleans, uh, the one with Ronda Rousey made the debut. 34? Um, 34? Yeah, 34. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I figured it was 34. Yeah, so that one that one was pretty fun. Um, uh, for me, it was it was definitely an experience because that was the first time I'd, I'd gone to New Orleans and I was like, okay, let's go, go uh, do this. Um, I managed to get like credentials and like, um, Look at that! Just Look go at that. around. So it was super fun. So the first one was definitely like just for fun and just mm. for me, but the second one was a little bit for work. Right. Um, so like I definitely experienced like uh, both in in different ways, but both of them were just enjoyable. I definitely recommend to, like if you know if anyone uh, watching or listening to this is uh, hesitant about attending a WrestleMania once things open back up, like go. You know if it's safe enough, like mm-hmm. it's worth it's worth the price of admission. Um, and it's you know it's something unforgettable. It's it's it's, inc- it's incredible how just enormous the stages are, how yeah. big the field is when like a superstar makes their entrance. I went to twenty nine in, in uh, MetLife. Okay. I went to thirty four in New Orleans as well. Oh, okay. And thirty five at MetLife. How was it uh, going to back-to-back WrestleManias? That's an accomplishment. Uh, 35 was cheaper than 34. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no hotel, no Airbnb, no ticket and this and that. Just drive up. Uh, I bought tickets on, on, on that day. I was planning to go. My boy hit me up and said, hey, I can't, yeah. go. I can't go to WrestleMania. I said, man, that's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, damn, that's, that's, that's fucked up. He said, yeah. yo, do you want to go? I said, what do you mean I want to go? He said, yeah, I'll sell you the tickets. I said, bro, it's like 4 o'clock right now. He said, do you want it? I said, how many you got? He said, I got two. I said, perfect. I take uh, me and my, my, my brother. I went through the online app, gave him the money. Me and my brother was out to, to MetLife. But um, 
seeing the main event go all the way to midnight, that's not something that you really want to do because <laughs> it was tough to get yeah. out of midlife. Um, after that, everybody was stranded, no late transportation. It was, it was, it was crazy. Um, oh, man. Other than that, it was, it, was, it was pretty good, pretty good seats, uh, good matches on the card. Um, I was planning on going to 36 in Tampa before the pandemic broke out. And I think they're going to Tampa next year. It was supposed to be LA, but I think they yeah, flipped I'll- it. Yeah, I was looking forward to the one in LA, but you know what? If we have to, if I have to wait like a year or two, like that's perfectly fine. Um, I can't wait till it's like in my hometown and I can do what you did, mm-hmm. just like day of, like okay, let me just get a cheap ticket and go. Like exactly, that's perfect. <laughs> um, so Hector, you told me you're a big fan of the Shield. That's why. Yeah. That's why the show is called The Hounds of Justice. If you're watching on on YouTube, it's right there in the bottom, The Hounds of Justice. So that was the nickname. Um, so many elements we could talk about this group. Um, when when did you first recognize Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns? I think before NXT, or they were in FCW, or it kind of merged into NXT. Right or wrong? Yeah, no, it, you're definitely right. Um, and it's a little weird because um, I think Seth Rollins was the only like NXT superstar at the time, and they sort of kept like Reigns and mm. Ambrose on the back burner there. So you kind of knew like their, um, debuts were imminent. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, uh, definitely, uh, Dean Ambrose had that like hype on the internet. Um, I remember just like being on Twitter and people are like, where is this guy? Like he's supposed to be like the next best talker or the next best wrestler. And, um, I always remember people would share like, uh, an FCW promo where he, where Ambrose, uh, was uh, feuding with William Regal and he was saying something like, I know like counters to your counters, counters or whatever. Um, so uh, that was like, that got me really hyped up. And like on a personal note, on the same way where I'm like that pretentious guy that like wanted to talk about like the Indies, like I was like, Oh, I kind of know this guy. I, I'd never seen him, but like, I was like, okay, I know about him before other people do or whatever. Um, but yeah. And uh, I definitely didn't expect them to debut on uh, that survivor series. Um, but it was super refreshing to see. Um, I just remember them just like wearing like black turtlenecks. They still hadn't had their like tactical gear or whatever. Um, so it was like a real like blank slate. Um, I, I think I wasn't as like, I wasn't familiar with Roman Reigns as I was with the other two. Um, but once I saw them, I was like, oh, like these guys like look really different. Um, but like different enough where they're not the same sort of like wrestler where they like within the shield, within the stable, they like served an individual purpose. And like off the top, people already had opinions of them Mm -hmm. of like, well, Reigns is supposed to be like WWE's like guy in the future. And, you know, turned out to be true. Ambrose is supposed to be like the next like stone cold or whatever because he can talk and he has like that attitude and then they always sort of considered seth rollins as like the afterthought mm-hmm. of like oh seth rollins is just kind of there or whatever and i always consider that kind of funny um looking back now like uh seth rollins turning on the shield was like the best thing for everybody mm-hmm. um but yeah at the time i i really just like uh liked their, their debut. It was really refreshing. Uh, I remember, uh, I think they had a, um, their first, I think it's one of their first matches or their, their first match at the TLC pay-per-view right. where Rollins just like jumped off of, uh, off a ladder into a couple of tables. And it sort of like proved to me as a fan of like, okay, they're willing to like take those big bumps and, and make it, um, a bit more like hardcore attitude era stuff. So like that sort of captivated me. Um, from there, I, I really like sort of the kind of alignment with CM Punk. Um, like you said, like the CM Punk storyline, the Summer of Punk with uh, mm-hmm. John Cena was like really good. Um, I don't think they like capitalized it enough, but like including the Shield, like in the aftermath of that was really cool in that like CM Punk kind of worked with them, but really didn't. And like, I think. In the moment, I thought that was, like, kind of whatever. 
when it came to like uh, their association. For me, it was like either he works with them or they don't. But like mm-hmm. looking back now, I think it was like the perfect thing where uh, the shield wasn't like attached to a particular thing. So they became like this like renegade group no matter what happened or no matter who they're feuding with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I thought it was great when they started winning championships. Um, it, it kind of gave me, and like with you know the power of hindsight, gave me like um, evolution vibes when they were all they all had championships. True. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be like a stable to remember, you know, when they had the U.S. championship and I think they had the tag team, and like they were they were sort of making moves, you know, with uh, with debuting like superstars. Sometimes you feel like. They might not like. They, they might make noise, but they might not win championships. So, like, it might not matter at some point, like in terms of like their career trajectory. But like, the Shield definitely made their mark early on, and you you, you definitely knew that they were gonna get like uh, there were better things like ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, they did. I mean, they all they've all won like uh, the WWE championship. Um, so that was that was really cool. Um, I, but I think the most impactful thing was definitely like how they broke up, and in terms of like their their dynamic within the group. I mean, I always said like Ambrose is like the wild card, and Reigns was like the top guy, and and Seth was always the one that was like just kind of there. But like once you know Seth Rollins hit that like steel chair on Roman Reigns's back. And Dean Ambrose is just like shocked looking at him like mm-hmm. that was a defined moment where, you know, well, everyone thought like, okay, like if the shield is going to break up, it's going to be Reigns or Ambrose. Like, no, it's going to be Rollins and Rollins is going to be like the main guy. So it sort of flipped a script and like definitely like played with the expectations of the fans. And I think when you do that. Um, more often than not, you have like a successful program and a successful storyline and just like better characters. Right. So you said a lot right there. Um, yeah. So let me go back a little bit. So the Shield debuts um, Survivor Series 2012 in the middle of the CM Punk John Cena Ryback triple threat match. Um, they attack Ryback. Then everybody thinks they're on CM Punk's side. The backstory to the punk element that you mentioned was that I think on a podcast CM Punk said that the, the shield was his idea. He yeah. said, I don't care what I don't care what nobody says, that's my idea. And the original pitch was Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and I got the guy's name right here. Chris Hero. Chris Hero. Not yeah. not Roman Reigns. Yeah. So eventually they told them, yeah, we're good with Rollins, we're good with Ambrose, but we like Reigns and not Ono. Yeah. I mean, I'm Hero, Chris Hero. Yeah. So could you imagine (laughs) The Shield with Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Chris Hero debuting at Survivor Series and not the guy who has become the face of the company years later, Roman Reigns? I mean, I could have. I would have been very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, like, WWE had the reasons. Um, I mean, if that was the trio that debuted, like, I'd probably, like, frame it as, like, the indie wrestling renegades or something like that. And mm-hmm. maybe that's what they wanted to avoid. So, like, having Reigns as, like, their cornerstone piece for the future in that, like, probably avoided that association with just, like, these are just indie wrestlers because at the time, like indie wrestlers were kind of like frowned upon and like, that's sort of what fueled like that CM Punk storyline of just like, well, you're not really a WWE wrestler. You're this guy from like ring of honor or whatever. Um, so like, uh, you can definitely see that they were like playing around with like that idea then. Yeah. And I think because in also in the backstory is that I guess they wanted to give CM Punk a bodyguard, so, somebody to help him. And they said, all right, we'll give you Big Show. He was like, no. And then <laughs> he said, what about Daniel Bryan? He was like, well, that don't make sense. So he said, give me Seth, give me Dean Ambrose, and give me um, Chris Hero. That don't happen. They plug in Reigns. And then you see this back and forth where you just don't know if the Shield is helping out CM Punk. Is CM Punk paying the Shield? Is Paul Heyman uh, involved with the Shield? And what was interesting, two things. One, the fact that 
Seth Rollins was the current NXT champion doing this. You know what I'm saying? And the fact yeah. that you're, you're bringing these three indie type guys up to the main roster and you're really pushing them right out the gate in the middle of a, of a roster with CM Punk, John Cena, Randy Orton, uh, a plethora of, of other staples. Like, oh, like, okay, now you're pushing these three indie guys right up the card. It really showed that the company was not only in, you know, liking the shield, but they say, yo, these three guys are not going to be just for now, they're going to be the future of this company going forward. Yeah, for sure. And like, you, you could include right back in that because he's kind of like, got squeezed mm. into that like um, title picture. I mean, he was mostly doing squash matches and yeah. um, he, he was great for like the presentation of just like this guy that'll like run you down. Um, and, you know, he, he, he was exciting then and like in that triple threat, like, you thought he could potentially do it because it was one of his like first chances at a championship. And all of a sudden, you know, these random guys for most people like come in and like it, it was a bit of a curveball, but it was like effective. Mm. And I think what was important was the fact that when you showcase the shield, they're not just a regular entrance, come down the aisle with music and, and fireworks, whatever them coming through the crowd like, yo, who, who are these guys? They, they don't really belong here. Yeah. Who, who are these guys that makes the fans interested? Like, who is Seth Rollins? Who is Dean Ambrose? Who is Roman Reigns? Why they have this SWAT team gear on? Why are they coming through the crowd? And just that early presentation kind of made you feel like, all right, these guys are, are going to be good, not only now, but also later on. So that was, that was a big key component for that. Yeah, and that's like a big like deal. Like, had they just like walked down from the entrance ramp, they would sort of just be other wrestlers, um, which like would definitely take away from their aura. Um, so like, like, and it's definitely like paid off now. Um, so now, I mean, they're sort of like the the establishment wrestlers, for lack of a better term, now. But like, yeah, like it, it, it's it, it touches on like the like uh instability or the the chaotic nature of just like going back to like the attitude era where you would have you know scott hall walking around eating popcorn at a wcw show like mm -hmm. who are these guys like it's that same type of excitement even though it's just you know it's it's the shield uh, obviously on wwe contracts just like waiting to do their part and you mentioned earlier these guys are not even a, maybe not even a year in the company and you got Dean Ambrose as US champion you got Seth and Roman Reigns as tag champions long long reign I think Dean Ambrose was a, uh, the longest reigning US champion uh, for a while I think he lost a, either he beat Kofi or lost to Kofi one of those two um, Seth and Reigns lost to I think Daniel Bryan and Kane if I'm, if I'm not mistaken so yeah. they've had long these long runs and it's like, all right, Dean Ambrose, you could, you know, if they were to ever break up, you see what Dean Ambrose can do as a, a as a single champion. All right, he, he could do well by himself. Rollins and Reigns, I think they could all be really great by themselves. For you as a fan, did you like one more than the other? Did you, did you say, I like the Shield, but this guy was my one favorite in the group? Definitely Dean Ambrose. Um, just because I, I had that exposure throughout like all those videos on like the, those FCW videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And for me, it was always like the build to Ambrose turning on the shield because it sort of seemed like the thing that would always happen. Um, again, like super glad it didn't. Um, but um, as a singles star at the beginning, it seemed like he was the one that was uh, more like he, he quickly picked up on it. Um, whereas Roman Reigns had to get help through, uh, rumble wins and just like, you know, being pushed too much. And Seth Rollins had triple H behind him. Uh, Dean Ambrose was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Mm. And like, you, you definitely saw it like from the beginning. I don't want to skip ahead, but you mentioned that Royal rumble. And I think it's a very, yeah. very, Back, very key component back to back rumbles where um, the Shield were bad guys and they started slow and becoming cheered and, and, and all that stuff. So they're becoming good guys now. I think in 20, late 2013, 
or middle of 2013 to, to 2014, the, the, mm-hmm. the turn was already made um, with six-man tags and all this other stuff. You get to the 2014 Rumble, and I forgot where it was at. So you, in that Rumble, you got CM Punk, you got uh, I think the return of Batista, you get Roman Reigns, and I think Sheamus was in the final four. Um, okay. Or Kane, one of those... You know, one of those mixes. Yeah. Roman Reigns was getting cheered to win the Rumble because I think the fans, when they see Batista come back, they're like, oh, yeah, I like Batista, but I'll eat. he can't I, come back yeah. and win the Rumble right away. Which is that, that's how they that's how they do. So yeah. they were on Roman Reigns' side for that Rumble, and then when he got thrown out by Batista, the fans shitted on Batista, and you, that's how it, the main event got changed. For WrestleMania 30, from Orton and Batista to Batista, Orton and Daniel Bryan, the fans would when they shit on something, they'll 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 tell you right away. But it's interesting to me that one Rumble they love Roman Reigns, and then the following Rumble in 15 in Philadelphia was the total complete opposite. And it's like Roman Reigns did nothing wrong. They, they <laughs> just they they just pushed him. They pushed. They pushed him. Yeah. In in a real wrestling city like Philadelphia. You had The Rock come out there, try to help him. Did not work. Um, they were cheering for Rusev, but Rusev was still on the outside. As the second to last man, they thought, I, I said, oh, he gonna, he, Rusev going to win this shit. Reigns wins it. And it's just like a total of like contrast. Talk to me about the 2014 Rumble, what you saw there of Roman Reigns being cheered compared to him being booed at the building in 2015. You know, I like. I hadn't really thought about that comparison, but like, that's that's fantastic that you like brought that up because it's it might be less about Roman Reigns and more about like fan expectations and like WWE like WWE's plans, I guess. Because like, if you know, if if it's like if the plans are telegraphed way too far in advance and people know what's going to happen, then like people won't really care about the storyline, like. Um, if I remember correctly, the Batista um, Royal Rumble, I think it was supposed to be a surprise, but then like, I think it got leaked or something. Um, so they're just like, screw it. He's going to show up. We're going to tell him. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell everybody like ahead of time. And like people already knew. So people already got sick of it before it even happened. So, you know, th- that's why all those like WrestleMania changes had to be made. Um, same goes for the Roman Reigns thing. But I mean, WWE was like um, pretty sure about their, their idea, their plan then. And like, you know, they didn't change it then, um, much to the chagrin of like Roman Reigns because he got basically booed out of that building. Um, but I mean, it, it paid off, right? Like it, the uh, they, they finally reached their goal of having Reigns be that like top guy. And I think if you if you uh, recall, they booed that finish because even me at home, I'm thinking like, oh, Daniel Bryan is going to win is going to win the Rumble. And when he gets in the Rumble, he gets eliminated, like, right away. I'm like, what are you doing taking Daniel Bryan out? Like, at least put him in the final four, final two. You took him out. Have that little, yeah. that little like, glimmer of hope there. Bro, from that point on, no matter what Roman Reigns did, no matter what The Rock did, it was just downhill from there. And um, it, it just kind of shows you how the fans can be – one way one day and a different different way that the following day or following year and it's like nothing Reigns did to 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 um to 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 get that kind of reaction you get a, a top hall of famer top five all-time rock coming out trying to help you and they still they shit on the rock too and it's like man yeah. all right so now you now you get roman reigns in the wrestlemania spot um and the one you went to at 31 the san fran he has to, uh, what's he gonna call it? He has to defend that that honor of being a WrestleMania spot. I guess Daniel Bryan a month after at Fastlane, whatever it's called. Um, by yep. it, by this time, Seth Rollins has, has already turned on the Shield. I know we just skipped the whole plethora of time. Yeah, that's fine though. <laughs> so I'm just saying that the, with the with the with the Roman factor is like to me, he was always the mysterious one because when him and Ambrose and Seth were in the ring together. Roman was never on the microphone. It was always Dan- Ambrose and Seth. So you wonder, mm-hmm. like, who's that third guy? Why is the third guy not talking? There's something about him 
either I don't like or I like the mystique about him because he just he just stands there and don't say shit. So I think that's gave the fans an appeal to 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 Roman Reigns. But again, it kind of shows you the fans kind of get what they want at some point. But that was a crazy two year period for for Reigns. Oh yeah, and I mean like going back to like the fans' expectation, like it really didn't like you didn't really get that huge pop until they sort of twisted the expectations a little bit with with the the WrestleMania 31 main event. You know, people were just like, oh, look, Roman Reigns is going to have his like moment in, in the spotlight or whatever, and like people really didn't like it, but they seemed they thought it was inevitable. You know, mm-hmm. completely forgetting that Seth Rollins was going to be right there, but like just because they like changed the plan or fans expectations of it like that's when it really became like a thing um and unfortunately it wasn't like for roman reigns but like it definitely created a more compelling storyline because of it so when that rumble was going on did you want daniel bryan to win did you want roman to win or you didn't care who won um, I don't remember, but uh, knowing me, I probably wanted like the indie darling, you know, Daniel Bryan, get that like hope there. And yep. just, uh, you know, like back then it was like Daniel Bryan and like CM Punk were going to be like the two guys. Um, I remember listening to that CM Punk podcast um, and him talking to like WWE about like how him and Daniel Bryan were going to be the next like uh, Sean and Brett where like they would just compete and have fantastic pay-per-views mm. and like that you would separate them for a little bit, but then when you need something, like put them back together and stuff like that. So that's what really made me excited. And for like the the future of WWE and like both of them, uh, unfortunately we know how sort of that turned out, but like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 looking back now, like it seems like a good decision. Uh, Daniel Bryan got his time. Um, Roman Reigns got his time. Um, CM Punk and would stuff happen with CM Punk. Um, let's rewind so the shield I got it right here the shield debuted as in a match at TLC 2013 I guess right back at team hell no so that's December of of 13 Seth Rollins loses the NXT title to Big E in January of that year uh, what else we got here? So they also go to WrestleMania in twenty fourteen against the New Age Outlaws and Kane. So this is all the six man tag these people are in. Um yeah. you eventually get to um evolution coming back. So I guess when the fans shit it on Batista, they're like, All right, come with Orton, come with, you know, Triple H and just come join us and do a three man with the shield. I think that was a great match. I think that was at Battleground, I could be wrong, but I think that six, right. six man with evolution was dope. So now I'm thinking like, all right, they they keep moving on, they're gonna do their own thing. Hunter is like, all right, but then you see that 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 raw where Hunter comes out with Hunter um with Orton, and it was like there's always a plan B, and you're thinking like, all right, someone someone's gonna come out, a new guy gonna join the fray. Cause we do, I think Batista, we we heard Batista was gonna be out. I think he yeah. was filming the, the the Marvel movies. So we know he was out. Because he said, I quit in the middle of the fucking ring. Um, that little wave. That little that little wave. The boot, uh, <laughs> boot, boot, uh, Bootista. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you just see the shield in the middle of the ring. Seth gets the chair from the outside like he's he going to hit somebody. And he hits Roman Reigns. And Dean Ambrose is like, yo, what the fuck, dude? And he'll he'll hit Dean Ambrose, and the crowd yeah. was just like stunned, like shocked, like I haven't seen a heel turn like that in quite some time, or since then, a heel turn that you just never really expected. Um, as a fan, did you expect it happening? When it did happen, did you say, "Man, that's kind of messed up," but yo, that's that's pretty dope, man. Now now. I want to see how Seth and, and Hunter and Randy Orton are as an authority stable going forward. Like, were you more like heartbroken, more like, yo, I can't wait to see what's next? I mean, both. And I think that's like, as a wrestling fan, the best thing you you, you should expect. Like, if, if they make you feel that bad, like, you're going to tune in the next week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, I definitely like didn't expect it um, with Seth Rollins. And I, and I did like sort of like, 
it's a little revisionist, like once it happened, but they were just, you know, hyping him up as the architect because he was just kind of there as the shield member. But then right after he made his heel turn, people are like, well, he was the real guy behind it. And like, it gave him more agency. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, because everyone was sort of praising Reigns and Ambrose as like those two next guys. But WWE was like, no, like, this is the guy like in kayfabe like he's the guy that sort of uh constructed everything and like he's uh, i i guess they, they wanted to like frame him as like he's uh smarter than like most uh, of the other wrestlers so he can like betray you and stuff like that and like even now like as like the money night messiah like that sort of part of his character still is like remains did you feel like if that was Roman Reigns turning or Dean Ambrose turning, it wouldn't have worked out the same as it did with Seth Rollins turning on the shield. Yeah, I mean, like that's it, the like best it had like, to be scenario. Safe. It had to be. It, it had to be. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, looking back, it's it's perfect. Um, just because those other two guys were sort of set in terms of like their career paths um, and Seth Rollins was always that like kind of an afterthought albeit in like one of the biggest like stables in like wrestling history but like mm-hmm. he was always that third person there and then what he goes on to win Money in the Bank with the help yep. of the authority <laughs> um, then he gets a he gets a, a a match with Brock right because that's when Taker comes back um, or am I a year ahead I mean, a year, uh, a year behind because I think the match with Brock and Taker comes back. I think Brock gets the rematch against Seth, and then Taker. So, I, I, so I'm I'm a year prior to that, right? Yeah. Okay. So now he goes money to bank. He has the money to bank feel like forever. And the one thing we've seen with money to bank is nobody's ever cashed in at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. At a SummerSlam, at a New Year Revolution, whatever it is, never at a WrestleMania, especially in the main event of a WrestleMania. So you get Roman Reigns who wins the Rumble in 15. He gets Brock Lesnar. I thought pretty, pretty dope match uh, with the crowd being involved because they won. It's like they hated Roman, but they love Brock, even though Brock's a bad guy. Um, that's what that's what that's what that's what I'm confused with. Seth had the triple threat with Brock and, and John Cena at the Rumble 15. For the championship, and oh yeah, okay, yeah. So that was the match. That was yeah, now I know what you're about. that triple threat match was 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 dope. Um, so you get Reigns and Brock in the main event. You're thinking Brock's gonna take take home the, the W. And act that when that when you hear Seth Rollins' um, theme song comes on, he runs down the ramp with the with the briefcase, and everybody's yo, what the fuck is going on? He's like yeah. catching in, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Lo and behold, he pins Roman Reigns. Um, if you look at it, I think he said it. There's people who catch it that, or like in in the documentary, he says like as he's pinning Roman Reigns, thank you, I love you, whatever. And then boom, yeah. one, two, three, the crowd goes crazy, and he's the new champion. When you see that, when you when you were there live, yeah, that's number one. So tell me how was it seeing that 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 portion live of Seth cashing in, and not only cashing in but winning the title live at WrestleMania. It was amazing because, like, I mean, like you said, like it, it had never been done, um, and like I think the the small details in like that WrestleMania really made it because once it happened, I had to like rewind like the, uh, the event in my brain to figure out like all the little pieces that like it took to get here because uh, I think it might've been one of the first matches or not the first match where Seth Rollins was against Randy Orton and he lost. This is one of those, this is that time where uh, Rollins went for the curb stomp and then Orton sort of pushed him up with his back and had like that super RKO, Mm -hmm. which like blew people's minds. So already you're, you know, Seth Rollins' WrestleMania is painted as like, he's a loser. You know, he just got his ass beat. Right. Um, In that same WrestleMania, um, I think you had a ladder match with uh, Dean Ambrose in there uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe Daniel Bryan won that one. Right. But there was a spot that basically took out Dean Ambrose where he went through a ladder. So 
uh, looking back, I'm like, oh, well, you know, Dean didn't, couldn't help out Seth or, or couldn't help out Roman Reigns and like take us out Seth during the main event because, you know, he just went through a ladder. He's been through a lot. He's out. And uh, Seth Rollins losing like that match against Randy Orton made me think like, well, that's, that's the last we'll see of Rollins. And, it, you know, I, it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. And like, it subverted my expectations and that made like the, the cash in even more surprising, mm-hmm. not just for me, but like for everybody in that stadium. I'm watching it live and I'm seeing what's going on and I'm like, like I already know you had to get the belt off of Brock, but I don't think they wanted Roman to beat the rock or there had to be some sort of crazy finish so that Brock would say, I I never lost the belt. You ain't pinned me. So I got to get my, my rematch at some point in time, but that WrestleMania Hector, I think when people mention top five, top seven WrestleManias or whatever, people have a different of opinion. But WrestleMania 31 is going to be that WrestleMania that people look at and say, yo, that's got to be a top five because if every match on the card was solid top to bottom, the atmosphere, um, the main event was was, was even crazier of the cash-in. And it's like, you, you, you think back, like, how come Edge and these guys and Orton and Cena don't never cash in at WrestleMania? Why are you always cashing at these little pay-per-views? And I, it was perfectly done with the right guy at the right moment, which continued the storyline of The Shield later on because I think um, you know, Reigns would win the belt down the road. Seth would get hurt mm-hmm. in November. He drops the belt. I think he had a good uh, program with Dean Ambrose that summer with the lumberjack matches and all that kind of stuff. So they kept continuing this thing. And I think many people's hope uh, was to have a a Seth Dean Ambrose Roman Reigns main event at a WrestleMania. You know, just a triple threat or for the title. You never got that. Maybe they dropped the ball with that. But did you ever expect to see those three guys uh, in a main event at a WrestleMania at, at, at some point in time? I mean, I thought that was going to be the plan, um, barring all those injuries. Um, but unfortunately, like, injuries happen. Um, it would have been nice, but, like, still, I think everyone like, sort of benefited off of that storyline and benefited off of just the long-term storytelling of it all. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, what's I got here? I think what was good about The Shield was the fact that they brought back the feeling that having a good to great stable was missing from the company at that time. Because if you look back at it, it was what, the Nexus for like a, a good maybe a year, less than a year, and it was red, white hot, and then it just faded out quickly. Yeah. And then after that, you didn't really have a, a stable like that. So the Shield kind of brought back that old school element. Like you can have a three-man, four-man uh, stable, not only be good, but great, win every world title, because prior to that, it was Nexus and that was it. And I think even after that, you probably had a couple uh, good ones like like New Day and stuff like that. So um, I think just implementing that portion of the Shield and bringing back the old school stable kind of thing was always, was was pretty good too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where where do you have the Shield for you as an all time favorite stable? Because people. Younger are gonna tell me, oh, it's top three, top five, and they'll they'll, they'll forget DX, NWO, Four Horsemen, Nation, all them guys. So I, I'm trying to see where you had the new day. Like realistically, where do you have for you the new uh the Shield all time? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, when I think of stables, like I think of just like you have your smaller stables, like the New Day and the Shield, mm-hmm. and then you have just like those like big stables like DX and like. You know, the biggest example was like the NWO was like way too big for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when it comes to like the three, four person stable, like I definitely think the Shield is like top ten. Um, there, you know, uh, you can consider Evolution and obviously the Four Horsemen to be like way higher up, um, and that might be sort of more of like because they're like a prestige sort of stable where they're like classy and they're wearing suits, but there was something just like uh, wonderful and appealing about sort of like the renegade nature of the shield that like people really like. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, you ask me, I got DX in the order, DX, NWO, Four Horsemen, 
Evolution. Ooh. A lot of people are going to say New Day. I think when it's all said and done, people are going to put New Day up there really, really high. Oh, for sure. Um, I just think the Shield, as great as they were, they weren't together long enough. If that kind of helps the argument, the Heart Foundation, another one too. I can't forget the Heart Foundation. Yeah. Um, the Shield just wasn't together long enough. If they had like another year or two, where you say, man, they had five solid years, world titles, Royal Rumbles, Money in the Banks, main event WrestleManias, and then that's that's hard to argue. But it's just tough to it's tough it's tough to put them top five because of the longevity that they don't really have. Yeah, I agree, and I think their impact might be more about sort of propelling the next generation of wrestlers. Where, like we mentioned before, like. Uh, back in, in what was it like the late teens? Um, like mm-hmm. um, the WWE was like embracing sort of indie talent, and I think the Shield success really like reinforced the idea that like if you're an indie wrestler or you came from FCW or NXT, like you can definitely have a bright future. And like we've seen that now because like a lot of those wrestlers on you know the main roster come from the indies they come from nxt you know they come from the performance center and i think a lot of that is because of the shield success in your opinion real quick the biggest moment of the shield seth turning on the shield or seth cashing in on roman at wrestlemania oh man that's a good one um i know <laughs> damn I mean, it, it depends on whether you appreciate, like, a surprise. Well, they're both surprises, but, like, heartbreaker success. But I think because of the moment and because it was WrestleMania, like, Seth Rollins cashing in is probably the bigger moment there. So, I know you were there, but try to help me help me feel like I, I was there. Um, yeah. Because watching on TV is one thing, but being there in person is is different. So you get a whole different feeling, atmosphere. You're not hearing the commentary while you're there live. So what I'm trying to say is explain to me the impact of that moment then and like the aftermath of it, of Seth cashing in in the main event of WrestleMania. Um, it, it, it was wild. It was sort of electric these sound sort of like cliched things but like you definitely like heard like the the stadium rumble as soon as like you heard seth rollins music and it wasn't just him stoically like you know walking to uh, down the ramp it was like him running of just like i've got this short window where reigns and lesnar are down i need to take advantage of it and like you notice the sense of panic from him I remember him like handing his briefcase in and him just like tapping his feet like he like needed to go for a run or something like he had all this adrenaline and like I, the fans definitely fed off of that of just like oh my god is this going to happen is this going to happen and then it, it actually happened and people couldn't believe it and like, like I told you like when I was there I was high-fiving like some dad and his kid like that were sitting next to me mm-hmm. and like everyone else was like that they were just like looking around they're just like did, did that just happen I, I i can't believe it and like that sense of surprise that sense of like storytelling it's like the best thing about being a wrestling fan could you imagine if he cashed in and lost <laughs> <laughs> in the WrestleMania? so mad <laughs> you know it's so funny real quick if i let you go i think it's you know, that happened five years ago, and I think it's going to be very tough for someone to do the same exact thing as Seth did to cash in in the main event of Mania. Either, either they don't do it ever again, or they, they're they really saying, listen, it's got to be the guy, whoever that might be. Like, let's say Roman Reigns, who hasn't won a Money in the Bank before, let's say he does have that achievement, he might be the only other guy that can say, you know what, I'm going to cash in surprisingly in a main event at Mania because sometimes a guy will cash in, they'll tell you ahead of time, then, he, then they promoted, you know, yeah. like like like, like uh, Rob, um, Rob Van Dam did at a One Night Stand. Like, all right, now we know who's fighting, but like if you just do it unexpectedly, either they don't do it again or it's got to be someone like, like, like Reigns to do it because that's going to be one tough 
thing to beat that kind of reaction that kind of moment who's in the ring already Roman and Brock Lesnar like you you can't replicate that yeah and you know what now that you bring it up I would love to see that I would love to see the inverse of that Seth Rollins is a champion Roman Reigns comes in it'll be less of him hurrying up and just saying like this is this is my time yeah. um, like I would love to, to see that at a Wrestlemania so last one before I let you go um, when you see Ambrose now in AEW Seth is doing his thing now Roman's doing his thing now I think the Shield benefited everybody in some in some way, form of another. If you had to rank your favorite Shield members, knowing what they have done now, all the accolades and achievements, who you think is the best Shield member, or who has who who has had the oh, best man. career? I've asked that question before to my, my my boy Graham, who's had the better career within the Shield, and he told me Seth Rollins. Now that's right now. Could it would it all be yeah. done? Could it be Roman? Sure. But who you think one who's your favorite shield member right now with the accolades and two who's currently had the best career out of all three guys? That's the thing that's great about the shield is that you can if 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 you ask that question to anybody, you'll get three different responses. But I think Roman Reigns right now um I think Seth Rollins has a fantastic resume in like the realm of WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ambrose or John Moxley, I think, is currently my favorite um, because he's sort of doing his own thing. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, th- I definitely rank him right now uh, Reigns, uh, Rollins, and then Ambrose, um, with Ambrose having sort of more freedom to do whatever he wants right now since right. he's uh, on AEW. Oh. I might have Reigns one. I might have Reigns. That's tough though, man. Seth is a. This is hard. Seth is nasty too, man. Like you talk about in ring, like come on, Seth is the Seth is the guy. But overall package, and you just you see superstardom. It's it, it's Reigns, but I like the, I like what Reigns is doing now, being the bad guy to heal, and you know, getting the the whole family bloodline stuff, and you know, you never know, you might see Roman in the Rock. That's the rumor going on for WrestleMania, the main event, Roman Reigns and The Rock. Let's see if we get that. If it's not The Rock, then I don't know which way they go, which could be interesting with this whole current pandemic kind of wave. But um, And Seth, too. I, I want to see what Seth does. He's he's in somewhere right now, but he's not like in the, in the top card area with Roman Reigns and stuff like that. But yeah. at, at any point, he can just, just like that get up there, you know? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I really want to see Rock and Reigns, but like, given the current state of things, who knows? It could be a cinematic match. We can we can see that. Um, who knows how that'll look? But uh, it, it's it'll definitely be a lot better if you have that, in, you know, in front of like seventy to one hundred thousand people. Of course. Um, Hector Diaz, uh, let people know what what you do for SB Nation, where they can find you, and then all that good stuff. All right, uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at I am Hector Diaz. Uh, I'm usually the guy uh, running the at SB Nation account on Twitter and Instagram. So if you find fun stuff there, I'll take credit for it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm usually uh, on my personal account. I'm usually tweeting about uh, wrestling, basketball, football. If you like sports, you like memes, give me a follow. Hector Diaz, senior producer for SB Nation. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy.